0: Well, hello, and welcome back to KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. It has been a while since I've put out a podcast episode, and I apologize, but life has been crazy busy the past couple months. I swear this whole summer went by in the blink of an eye, but I traveled and stayed super busy, and for me... Um, I When I get busy and overwhelmed, I really have to reel in everything and focus on the things that are important. And so, getting content out to you guys is important to me. But also, I have to make sure that I'm giving all of my clients my attention, my family my attention, and also my full-time job and attention. So, um, that being said, I am getting back into recording podcasts. I've actually had this week's episode... Um, Recorded for quite some time now, and I feel horrible that it's taken this long to get out, but um, it is worth the wait, I promise you. Uh, Today, I speak with Mike Gorman, who is also known as Gourmet Goes Keto on Instagram, and this man is a phenomenal human being. He has a great story. He has lost over 300 pounds twice, and Honestly, I don't think he needs any more than that for an intro, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I look forward to putting out more content, more podcasts for you guys soon. Hello, Mike. How are you?
1: Hey, Lauren, I'm doing good. How are you doing today?
0: I am wonderful and super excited to have you on the podcast. I feel like you are a gem in the keto space, um, and more people need to know about you and your amazing story. So, um, we'll go ahead and dive right in. I would love it if you could share a little bit more about you and kind of how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure, sure. Well, first, thank you, obviously. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. And uh, for me, I, it it, it goes back to, to childhood. I was a mm-hmm. big kid. um, And so I've never really known life where I wasn't if not severely to massively overweight. Um, as a 10-year-old child, I was 210 pounds. Um, I was put on a diet by my family that they encouraged by paying me to lose weight. And I obviously, as a child, was like, money, that sounds great. So I responded to that. And that started my uh, roller coaster of, of, of weight loss and gain throughout my life. Um always... Losing a bit, gaining a lot more, losing a bit, gaining a lot more, um, led into my adulthood, where soon after college, I soared past 400 pounds, up over 500 pounds. At my heaviest, I was 540 pounds, and that was in the late, um, like 2000, I was over 500 pounds, probably from about 2005 to 2009. Um, Wow. Somewhere in there, maybe even too, maybe even a little earlier than that, might have been because my cousin sent me a picture this week that was at my grandmother's 80th birthday party in 2003. And I can tell looking at the picture, you know, kind of you go right back into that sense memory. And I'm like, yeah, that was some of my heaviest times. So it might have been more like six or seven years. I was I was in that weight range. And that's,
0: that's crazy. It,
1: it, it is. Um, it's when you're living it you don't have a real sense of how truly insane it is until you get out of it and look back and you tell your stories. Like the more people I talk to and the more times I tell my story, like there are moments where I, I, I talk about experiences I had at that size and I'm like, is this, is this rational that this is what I, that what happened? How on earth did my brain adapt to that? And how right. did my, how did my, my spirit say, no, it's a, it's okay to be this way. You know, it's a, it's okay to, you know, have a night, you know, at night, sleep 30 to 40 minutes at a time and have to get up to go to the bathroom. That's fine. You know, yeah. no, no no, worries there. Oh, you're uh, you, you, you brush your leg up against the wall and now it's leaking. Oh, that's fine. You know, just mm-hmm. put a Band-Aid over it and, and move on. Um, and I existed that way for a long time. And I, I, I made a move out of the job I was in that I had been in. It was my career for a long time working in higher education. And I left because I was physically becoming unable to do the job. Uh, The job involved walking the campus and interacting with students, and it was becoming too much. So uh, I took an opportunity to move to California, and it was around the time the economy collapsed, 2008, 2009. Didn't go well. Ended up um, starting to drop a little weight, but then put it back on as soon as I was working again and decided I needed to do something. I knew that I was running into – literally what was happening was I was losing the job I was at because the company was closing and I I looked at the condition I was in and realized that who's going to hire me. You know, I can barely stand up. I can barely walk around, you know, how am I going to, you know, present my, put my best foot forward when I can barely, I mean, at that point when you're barely finding clothes, even online to fit,
2: Mm -hmm. um,
1: it's hard to be like, okay, I have an interview tomorrow. Let me go and grab a new shirt when you know you have to wait because even you know especially back then online ordering there weren't a lot of big and tall sizes on something like Amazon Prime or anything like that you were waiting a week or two if not more to get your have your clothing arrive
2: right so i
1: i had a couple different instances happen where that you know became challenges and so i decided to make some changes i i right. entered into kind of i discovered paleo at that point um i had always kind of dabbled with low carbish diets and whole food diets and I really got interested in the paleo movement, lost a ton of weight over, over the next two years and got down to 210 pounds. Um, that was May of 2013. It was actually my end of April, 2013 was my 40th birthday. And I had a goal of, of getting to 210 pounds for that. And I, I hit that goal.
2: That's awesome. Um,
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was phenomenal, you know, at that point. So I was down 330 pounds, um, and there was no Instagram then. So there was, there was not a big... There, <laughs> there was, a was
0: no of, documenting. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I actually... I had a, a very active Facebook group with several thousand people following it, um, a Facebook page. And that was... I had almost started as like a blog and was documenting my journey there. But I, I hit... I went on vacation and everything went... I did really great on the vacation. And then coming home from that vacation, I completely fell apart. And, um, when I say that I have a, a massive food addiction that dominated my life, like, I think this is like the example of where it, it took over my life. Um, may of, of 2013, I was 210 pounds, uh, by the beginning of October of 2013. So a little over five months later, um, I was 480 pounds. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and it's funny that, because I, I That's insane.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, it's just, it's hard to believe that that is, that's actually possible to do, you know, like,
1: oh, um, completely.
0: I mean, like really thinking, I mean, I, I have gained back some of the weight that I've lost, but that's, you know, it's about 10 to 15 pounds. And it's over the course of, you know, uh, probably I hit my lowest weight last year, March mm-hmm. of 2018. So it's been over, over a year and a half. Little bit of a gain on purpose due to muscle and things like that, but sure. to hear that much of a regain in such a short amount of time, I can't even imagine like how you felt.
1: It's even just taking the emotional side out of it for a second, just talking physically. Mm-hmm. I, I, there were points that I actually would wake up and feel larger the next day. Wow, like. Yeah, and and we we especially in the fitness sphere we we say things like you don't gain the weight overnight. I was gaining the weight overnight. You know, yeah. I was I was eating and and also you know a lot of times you talk to people that are very very large and they say well I, I don't think I was eating that much and we have these weird perceptions about what we were eating. Make no mistake, I was eating.
2: Mm-hmm. I was
1: eating a lot. Um, I, I actually uh, at one point recently. Decided to document one of my days from then, from that time period, and when I got up around twenty five thousand calories and wasn't done entering everything,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was like, "Okay, this explains a lot." You know, these wow. this ex- this explains a lot, and I I fell into this place that was dark and reinforced, and and I you know I talk about like my, the mind games we play on ourselves, like. I became convinced that, well, this is just how my life is meant to be. So ride it, you know, just Mm -hmm. go along with it. This is how you, this feels good. This is what feels right. It's what feels
0: comfortable.
1: Oh, completely what feels comfortable. It's, it's, and it's that literal high you get from the food. Like it's not, and if, if someone doesn't understand it, I, I almost love to say when someone says to me, I don't understand what you mean when you say that. First, I say to them, "I'm, I'm so happy for you that you don't know what I mean.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because when when I tell these stories and someone says to me I know exactly what you mean, I almost get sad.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I I totally get it. That's how I was. I mean, there was absolutely it, it's it was like a true like almost like a drug addiction. I, I've oh. never been addicted to drugs. I've never mm-hmm. been addicted to, you know, anything like that, but my food addiction was something that like that I chased the feeling mm. after, you know, or the feeling during whenever For you sure. Whenever you're eating that food and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing, you know, like, but then the aftermath, it's just like a drug addict, the, the, uh, the downhill after, Mm. you know, and you're constantly chasing that satisfaction.
1: And, And I think I, it's almost, I like to describe that six months as a bender, because much like an alcoholic who goes on a bender and kind of just puts, throws their life into just drinking continuously, that's what I what my life became. And it was happening so rapidly that it was almost like an out of control train that at first I I kind of had it in my head. Like we talk ourselves into things. And I initially I had come home from my vacation flying home. I actually had a small binge in one of the airports. I've I've told stories several times about the the Arby's at the Baltimore Airport has been my downfall several times. For some yeah. reason, we, d- we don't have Arby's here. It's, that, mm-hmm. the magic of, it's the magic of the beef and cheddar. And I'm always like, oh, one can't hurt. And I, th- I think I got three in an order of curly fries at that airport passing through. And I made myself literally sick because at that point I was still 90% paleo, not really eating wheat and bread and all of those mm-hmm. things. So I got up the next day when I was home Went to work, but felt horrible. And I, for some reason, I didn't make the immediate food connection. I made the connection like, oh, I was on a plane. I must have picked up a cold or a flu or something. And I left work early and I went to Whole Foods to buy chicken and broccoli, because that's what you do. And made the decision while I was there to have a cheat meal. And I was just going to have a cheat meal. They used to, at that point, have a, a caramel bacon brownie. And this was back before bacon was on everything. So it was rare that it came out. And I was, saw that they had it that day. And I was like, oh, I have to get one of those. And that voice was just back in my head. Like, you, you did so well. You did so great on your vacation. You turned down treats at Disneyland. Like, let's enjoy one day. Yeah. And, that, and then one, day became, one meal became, let's enjoy the whole day. And I stopped and got McDonald's on the way home. And then I ordered pizza that night. And by that night had decided to take to quote unquote, take the weekend off. By the end of the weekend, I was taking a quote unquote week off. And by Monday, I had made the decision that, you know, it wouldn't be so, you know, if I can incorporate this food back into my life and stay around 300 pounds, I can probably live a happy life.
0: Is that not crazy how much we talk ourselves mm. into it's, it's all about that self-sabotage and I mean, I've done it numerous times. That's how I was constantly, um, you know, going back and forth between gaining and losing and gaining and Mm. losing. And then, you know, I used my pregnancy as as Mm. my excuse. So, you know, and I find a lot of, of women do that, but it's insane that we can talk ourselves into... Oh, it'll it'll be okay. Let's just have another day. I'll start tomorrow, or let I'm just gonna take the week, you know, to enjoy all the foods, get it all out of my system, and start Monday. And then like letting that spiral into something so insane oh. to where obviously like <laughs> you ended up with that that regain. It's it's just crazy.
1: Oh, it 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 becomes this com- compounded. It we're the be- we're the best salesmen. With the mm-hmm. salespeople to ourselves like I convinced myself like I had was I was literally spending that weekend debating you know like 250 275 would be a, a pretty you know if I end up back there I'll be okay I mean I know I'll put a little weight back on but it probably won't happen that fast I put on 30 pounds that weekend wow and then within 30 days I put on 100 pounds do you so.
0: think, and this is gonna sound—I hope this doesn't sound wrong—but like, do sure. you think the mental, like, how did you feel when you saw the scale go up? Because I know, like, I know whenever I would gain, I'd I'd have a binge weekend. I'd be like, oh well, okay, I only gained five pounds. Like, yeah. I can I can deal with gaining like ten, and and that'll be my cap, or you know, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: did you
0: did you play that game in your head often?
1: Uh, see, I, I, I think I played that game initially and thought like that first weekend when I literally was like, I put on 30 pounds, you You're know, like toward- it's all I'm-
0: water weight.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, like th- there's no way on earth you put on that much weight that fast. That's not mm-hmm. possible. You know, don't, don't freak out. It's just, your- and I literally went into that and I know like at that point, like my dieting behavior had become a little disordered as well. I was, you know, doing You know, there was not a lot of talk about fasting then, but I was doing fasting in some unhealthy ways, like not taking care, not taking care of the nutrients my body needed and not getting enough calories during the day when I was eating. So I was like, this is just your body reacting to the caloric restriction and the lack of carbs and you haven't eaten bread. Like, just, just take a deep breath. Everything's going to be okay. It'll slow down. And I kept telling, and I literally kept telling myself it'll slow down. Mm. And then I get on the scale a month after a month. And it, I was, I saw 300 pounds again, over 300 pounds. Um, what
0: was your initial reaction?
1: My, my initial, like, honestly, I was, ama- like, I, I, two different directions. One, I was like, how is that even possible? Like, like it, how is it, this doesn't seem real. And I think because it didn't seem real, that then it, it moves into, well, this is clearly the way my body wants to be. If it's doing this so rapidly and quickly, not at all thinking about, well, no, it's just that you're shoving so much food and this type of food into your body consistently, you're causing this. Instead, I was, I, I was so great at putting the blame in other places. So Mm -hmm. it became, you know, I, it's all that restriction I did. And I lost the, and I started to really convince myself that, I lost the weight wrong. You know, I did my diet wrong. Like I started oh, wow. to really, really talk myself into saying, you know, I didn't do anything in it and everything I was doing in a healthy way. And I think also a big part of that was also knowing that I was going to have people around me start to realize what's happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, when you I love one of
0: trying to find an excuse, uh, like to justify the weight
2: gain.
1: Yes. Try to find an excuse to justify it so that I could have almost like an elevator speech to say to people Mm -hmm. when they would say what happened, because when you're gaining that much weight that fast, especially over the summer, when people are traveling and vacations and things along those lines, you're not seeing people as regularly. So when they're not seeing you after a month and after in between every month, you're putting on a hundred pounds. You can only imagine what's going through people's heads. So, or, and you start to imagine what's going through people's heads and start to build that up in your head and, I think that's why I really it, it almost snowballed because I isolated myself and and really withdrew and started hiding, uh, mm-hmm. avoiding social situations, avoiding family situations, and put myself alone with the food
0: yeah that is and, crazy
1: and and it really is and and by the time fall came around and i kind of i had reached a point where I, one, I, I literally, I I don't have any idea. And I say, I've said this before to people and I think they laugh a little bit, but I, I'm not sure how I survived that happening. Oh yeah, Like, Like putting my body through that. And the, the, the weirder thing for me is, um, in 2017, I was hospitalized with pneumonia, um, already into my weight loss journey. And, um, part of what happened with that was they want, they needed to make sure that it wasn't my heart causing some issues. And one of the doctors came in and said, um, so do you know exactly when you had the heart attack? Oh, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, we need to show you something.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And so at some point in my past, they can't, they can't pinpoint when, and there's no physical damage. It was more um, the electrochemical responses of the heart tells them um, what's happened, right. basically, historically. At some point in my past, I had a heart attack and didn't know it.
0: Had no idea.
1: No idea. And, and wow. the funny thing is the doctor says, well, did you ever have a night where you just had a lot of discomfort and you went to bed kind of feeling sweaty and, and you know, out of breath? And you're I'm like,
2: like, uh,
0: every night of my that, life. No. Yeah,
1: I'm like, I said that. And I, and I said, that literally describes almost every night of my wow. life. I'm like, and we talked a little bit. He's like, well, what, tell me a little bit about, because I also avoided doctors. Um, mm-hmm. I ironically like the plague. So I didn't really have a medical history for them to compare it to. So the doctor just wanted to ask questions. So I was telling him this, my whole history. And then nurses were joining in. It was almost like story hour. Like I was on a podcast telling these, mm-hmm. telling, my, telling, telling my weight loss and weight gain stories. Um, and the doctor said, well, if it didn't happen when you were 500 pounds, um, I would guess that it happened that year, the summer you put on the weight. He's like the overloading your body like that. I talked about the, the, the edema that I dealt with that summer when the weight was coming back on in terms of swelling. And, uh, he goes, it sounds like, you know, it wasn't a big episode, but there was an episode then. And I believe it. I, I, I completely believe it, but when I soared kind of back up to that weight and hit that equilibrium, mm-hmm. I made the decision that I guess this is just my life, the way it's going to be. I tried to escape. I failed again. It's my 10th my, you know, tenth, tenth attempt at trying to escape, and I'm not winning. So let's just start to adapt. This is the way life is going to be. Mm-hmm. Enjoy life while it lasts. Because I also then started to get into my mind, I know I'm not going to live long. I know that there's no way I'm going to survive this forever.
0: Because Um, now that now that you've lost the weight, regained it, like you should just enjoy the life that you have left. Because there's obviously I mean, at that point, you probably just assumed it was only a matter of time before mm -hmm. you had another heart attack.
1: I, and, and at that point I didn't know, I mean, when I regate, like that was still years before I knew I had the heart attack, happen. Oh, but okay. yeah, I, it was just last year that I found out about the heart attack this past really? year. Really? Yeah.
0: Crazy.
1: Yeah. It's, it's that whole experience, honestly, like, you know, not just to, to switch gears too much, but I was about a hundred pounds into, I, I started my the journey I'm on now in February of 2017 when mm-hmm. I discovered keto and I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll get to all of that I'm sure but um in December November basically beginning of November of 2017 I started to get a cold that mm-hmm. got very bad and it it got to the point that I was like okay you haven't been to a doctor in probably 25 or so years it's feeling like you might need to go to a doctor and then I woke up one morning and felt better and I'm like Wow, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Crisis <laughs> averted, everything's fine. And then 2 days later, I woke up and felt like I was hit by a truck.
2: Yeah.
1: And could barely breathe, um could barely walk and spent probably about 12 to 15 hours in my apartment crying because I knew I had to see a doctor.
2: Uh-huh. And that
1: was that was my biggest fear in the world was because even though I was already down a 100 pounds or so, into my journey. Um,
2: you knew I, the lectures was, that were coming. I was terrified. <laughs>
1: I, I knew what they were going to say when they saw me. I was expecting diagnosis that, I mean, I know that I was undiagnosed diabetic just from the symptoms and even the after effects that I have. My doctor now agrees with that. Yeah. Um, my numbers are great now, but, you know. Um, so I called my dad. Uh, it was a, it was a Tuesday night. And I said, I need you. And he's like, okay, I'm on my way. I'm like, no, I don't. I go, I'm not ready to go right now. I said, but in the morning I need to go to a doctor. Can you help me? I said, I don't even know how to find a doctor. I don't, as an adult, I've never done this. I don't know what to do. And I just was like, I don't have the strength to do this. Mm-hmm. And he thought I was, I, I, my dad misinterpreted what I said was going on and thought I had the flu. So he called one of his tennis buddies, who's a doctor said, can you see my son? He's got the flu. And the doctor's like, oh yeah, you know, just bring him in first thing, whatever. So we actually had to, I remember having to rest three or four times walking in from my dad's truck to the doctor's office because I just couldn't breathe. And I get into the doctor's exam room and I sit down and the doctor walks in and he says, you don't look okay. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not okay. Right. I'm like, that's, that's why I'm here. And I'm like, honestly, like my heart was racing. I was freaking out. And he puts the pulse ox monitor on my finger. And the number was so low that he said, you need to immediately be in a hospital. Um, he's like, I can't even treat you here. He goes, I'll let you leave with your dad if he wants to drive you right to a hospital. He goes, you cannot go anywhere else. He goes, right now, you're in danger. You need to go to a hospital right now. Um, we went to the we went to the emergency room. Again, another nice coincidence. The guy doing check-in at the emergency room was a, a gym buddy of my dad's. Um, so it was a little busy, but he got me right in. They put me on oxygen immediately at a level 12 just to try to f- start forcing oxygen into my lungs to try to mm-hmm. get my my pulse ox level up because the oxygen percentage in my blood was at a point where it was going to be damaging my organs if I kept going on. Um, wow. They did x-rays, determined that both of my lungs were more than 90% filled with um, swelling from pneumonia, mm-hmm. and the doctor came in and showed me the x-ray and said, If you had waited another three to four hours, you'd be dead.
0: (gasps) That, I mean, that's like, that scares the crap out of me.
1: (laughs) Oh, completely, completely. Like they immediately started me on like, so I went from never having seen a doctor and being terrified of even like having like the tuberculosis test done in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I fainted the last time I had that done. Um, To poked and prodded and immediately put into a bed and put into a room. And this is all happening and you have no choice and we're doing this.
0: That's kind of how it like, I mean, so for me, and this is a a little off kilter, but you know, like I had never really been in an emergency room or Mm. in like anything until I had a baby. And so it's like, they, they literally throw you in there. So I can imagine how you feel, you know, like never experiencing that before and then just having to do it. I mean, getting the full, you know, treatment. Uh,
1: (laughs) Oh, it was, it was, it, it was clearly in some ways the best thing in the world that ever happened to me. And in some ways the most terrifying, you know, I ended up in the hospital for 16 days, um, completely bedridden (laughs) the entire time because once they got the infection dealt with, there was residual swelling in my Mm -hmm. lungs to the point that they, they they said that my lung tissue was hepatic, meaning that it was the texture of the liver where your lungs should be like cotton balls. Um, and instead the texture of my lung was more like liver. Um, It was also at that time that they started doing all the heart testing. I was, They actually, when they did the first echocardiogram, they woke me up at six o'clock in the morning and the nurse said, the doctor thinks you're having a heart attack, so we're taking you down for an echocardiogram right now.
0: What?
1: She had misread the notes. They were supposed to take me down immediately, but he did not think I was having a heart attack. He thought I might have had a heart attack and needed to you know, assess everything.
0: So there goes your like anxiety through the roof. Oh,
1: through the roof. And I mean, I definitely, they've determined I definitely have white coat syndrome. My my blood pressure will go up when I first get to a doctor's office. So versus mm-hmm. when they take it, when I arrive versus 10 minutes later, the numbers are completely different. It's kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh, a lot of people, honestly. Like they, they always say something to me. They're like, are you nervous? I'm like, maybe a little. Oh, <laughs> They're like, oh. we can tell.
1: Completely, completely. And, and, but I mean, like in a lot of ways, it was like I said, it was fantastic, because it forced me to face those fears, and realize that I was going to be okay. And that it was okay to talk about what was going on with my body for people. And I dealt with and I think one of the things that helped was I dealt with a lot of people coming in and making the assumption that here's this 350 pound guy sitting in a hospital bed on oxygen. So he must always be like this. So nurses, new nurses would come out and say, so how much oxygen do you use at home? And I'm like, I don't use oxygen at home. I go to the gym six days a week at four o'clock in the morning. Right. And they're like, you do? Oh, this mm-hmm. doesn't seem right. And I'm like, that's why I'm in the hospital.
0: Uh-huh, and they're like, this point.
1: and I got to the point too, that I also would keep my before pictures pulled up on my phone. Mm-hmm. So when the new attending would come in, I would say, yes, I've already, you know, this is how much weight I've lost so far. Here's a picture. Cause I know you're not going to believe me when I tell you right away. Um, this is how I did it., um, and I also had to navigate staying keto um, in yeah. a hospital, which was also a lot of fun. But
0: uh, yeah, I can imagine. Was...
1: <laughs> so I know we jumped it we we, we kind of jumped jumped around on on you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, but...
0: that's I mean, that's people what people can hear. so let then let's since we're talking keto, let's definitely definitely jump into like how you came to keto because you sure. said you were like paleo prior, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yes. So, what brought you to the keto lifestyle?
1: So, I was paleo. I love the idea of like whole ingredients, well sourced ingredients, grass fed meats, pastured animals, all of those things. That's 100% on board with that.
0: Which, by the way, is insane for anyone coming from such a sad diet, from the mm-hmm. standard American diet that we were eating. Like, it still blows my mind to. To look into the brain that I, I have now and the thought process of, like, mm. the quality of food and how oh. you view food differently and what you want to put in your body versus, like, how I used to willingly put so much chemically mm. processed stuff in my body. You know, like, it's insane to think um, how how much better, you know, like, the choices that I make now versus what I made then.
1: Oh, completely, and also, it's it's wild to think about the normal that you accepted eating all that food. Yes. Just the the inflammation and the pain, and and it's why now, like for me, like even having come into keto, I still try to I stick to more of a whole foods, almost paleo primal diet in terms of my choices within the keto sphere because I still have that feeling about processed foods. So when mm-hmm. I see that when i see the hyper processed keto ingredients coming up i'm like oh i know that these are all people with good hearts and intentions but for me it's just a gateway that i don't want to enter again because going paleo like doing i did several rounds of the whole 30 like i really learned a lot about how my body reacts to food mm-hmm. and even though i regained weight regained all the weight and like had that that period again where i went back to eating horribly because that was just how strong my addiction was i knew coming back to this idea of weight loss that um, that would be a component of it, like sticking to those types of foods. Like I I had a, a situation where um, my body, I knew my body was falling apart. I was dealing with se- severe signs of diabetes. Like I said, getting up to urinate every 30 to 45 minutes when I slept, uh, wounds that wouldn't heal, sweats after eating, falling asleep all the time, dealing with undiagnosed sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I, I, I had the discussion with myself where I said, you're either going to have to go to a doctor or you're going to die. And I chose it's okay. If I die literally at that point, like I, I I wasn't in the headspace where I could choose to go to a doctor. So I then thought what I didn't care about living. I had this group. My parents are incredible people, you know, for all of the challenges we've had in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, They fell into the situation where they were going to have to adopt babies um, at their age. Um, there's a children of my, one, one of my nephews and they were taking on guardianship of them. And part of that discussion was my parents saying, we know you can't take these children, but we need your help with them. You know, mm-hmm. we're older, we're going to need your support. And my dad had a very frank discussion with me where he said, I'm not going to live to see these girls graduate from high school. So I need to know that you're going to be around.
2: Mm-hmm. And he
1: wasn't saying it to me, you know, to say, you're almost 500 pounds again. I think you're going to die. Like that was not an intention of his at all. It was very much. I think in my head that was my perception, but I know for him it was more about. He was trying to wrap his head around raising children again after so mm-hmm. many years.
0: Yeah, and, and he needed to ensure that he was going to have some help.
1: Completely, completely, and he put that. He put that to me and my sisters, and you know, we 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 all worked through that. And and I went home from that discussion, and had this realization that my life wasn't just mine, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: not that not that I needed to do something for other people, but that for the first time ever, I wanted to do something for other people. Yeah, that I felt that that sense of responsibility and connection was important and valid. And so I knew I needed to do something. Um, I had even throughout as 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 horrible as my eating was, I kept up on diet trends and things along those lines. I knew that I I, le- I leaned towards a lower-carb approach, and I had seen keto start to explode. Um, I then picked up Vinny Tortorich's book, Fitness Confidential, learned about his no sugar, no grains philosophy, which, you know, is very in line with with keto. And then I came to Jimmy Moore's um, Keto Clarity.
0: Same. I love, that was the very first book that I read whenever yeah. I decided to start keto. It was a game-changer.
1: Oh, completely. And it just, it, it not only gave you the information to think about what you would need to do to, to try keto, but it made keto seem accessible and not like a med- a book of medical terminology, which is right. what a lot of, the, a lot of the books that I then picked up soon after seemed like I was picking up medical college textbooks.
0: Mm-hmm. And J- you're like, J- this is not layman terms. <laughs> no,
1: not at all. But Jimmy breaks it down in a way. I still refer people to that book to this day. Like, yeah. you know, you're starting now. I know you want websites. I know you want YouTube channels. I know you want Instagram accounts. Get a copy, whether you do it on your Kindle or you do it in a hard copy, get Keto Clarity and read Mm -hmm. that book. It's not long. I I think I've sent that book to a dozen different people over the years. But I I started Keto in February of 2017. Um, It was middle of February. I remember it was like the day after the 14th. And um, I was 470 pounds and I was I, probably what you would say, you know, was lazy keto to start. I was doing like 20 to 25 net carbs a day and not really counting fat and protein, eating to satiation. Um, because I have been eating so much that once you start eating in a ketogenic style, you know, some of that natural appetite suppressant does come into mm-hmm. play. And so for me, I was able to then naturally just be eating enough that I was starting to lose weight pretty consistently.
0: So uh, you didn't, you didn't experience, um, you know, cause when you're eating the processed carbs and all of the things and, um, all the trigger foods, it's easy to tell ourselves like, yes, I'm still full, but I can still eat more. Like I can mm. still force more food. So, um, do you think it was more so the mentality that you were in because you were starting something new or do you really think it was the, the benefit of keto making you feel so satisfied and full?
1: I, I, I think it was a blend. I think it was probably more of the mentality getting started. Mm-hmm. I'm incredible with adrenaline when I started diet, you know, I'm all in like, I'm mm-hmm. not some, I'm not, I, I see a lot of people that talk about transitioning slowly and, First, I'm going to eliminate this, and then I'm going to eliminate that, and then I'm going to take this away. I'm a, okay, it is 11 o'clock on Tuesday night, and I'm starting a diet on Wednesday morning. Let's go through the house and burn it to the ground. Everything that shouldn't be here is out of the house. You That's know?
0: how I am too, uh, yeah.
1: Like, I am an all or nothing. And I think that also contributes to like to my massive fall-offs, because mm-hmm. I'm an all or nothing guy. Like, I don't just, I can't, I up, up until that point in my life, I couldn't say, well, on Fridays, Friday nights from seven to seven forty-five, I'm going to allow myself to eat whatever I want, and then I just go back to the way I'm eating before. Like I'm a, the gas is down, or we've got you know the brakes are completely on. Like mm-hmm. I'm 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 all or nothing. So, I I think I had momentum. I think I I was screaming in my head that I wanted to live. Like that was the big why. Like helping other people and being around for my family really boils down to me to I needed to be alive. I needed mm-hmm. to be alive and able to move. If I'm babysitting twins that are, you know, 1 year old and starting to crawl, I need to be able to chase after them.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, if I if
1: they need if my parents need my help buying things at the store, I need to be able to go into the store. Like all of those little pieces start to come into, fall into play and I think the the mental part gets me got me started, but it really is that physical satiation of, of eating higher protein and higher fat than I was eating before. Um,
0: And not having that constant glucose spike and stable blood sugar,
1: stable blood sugar, not putting those, those hyper hyper palatable. Like that's something I talk Mm -hmm. about with some friends a lot. Like the idea that even the, the quote unquote healthy foods that are engineered are engineered to be so tasty and so palatable that you, you crave more and, I think there's a difference between hyperpalatable engineered foods and really palatable healthy foods that you can eat, be satiated with, and not be dreaming about an hour later. Mm-hmm, not be craving more. Right. Like there's yeah. that fueling. And I know there's like, I, I, like, I was big into Gary Tobbs when I first got started. And I know most people at this point, you know, kind of laugh at his insulin hypothesis and, and all of, and that mechanism being the driving force. But I do think that the way our, our blood sugar responds to food drives our hunger and our hunger hormones in ways that we don't think about how powerful it is. And once you start to lessen those mechanisms, like I, within a month of going keto, um, was no longer like the excessive urination had gone away. Like a lot of my cravings went away, but a year and a half in, I, it, the idea of intuitive eating was, was not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I hit that point where hunger was starting to come back. Um, I had gotten down to 280 pounds. Uh, this was in August, September of 2018. And I was stalling. My weight was uh, for over a month. I saw no movement on the scale at all. And I'm always one of those people when I talk to everyone and they say, I weighed in this week and I didn't lose any weight. How do I fix a stall? I'm like, well, mm-hmm. it's been one week. Take yeah. a deep breath you could have weighed less yesterday and be having a fluctuation. Let's wait until we see like a two month, you know, a one and a half month, you know, stall. And then we can determine, you know, you can start thinking about what do I need to change? But before that, you know, are you really in a stall? If it's just a five days, five days of no change, I was in a stall and I was actually starting to gain weight. And I was finding that binging behaviors were coming back. Um, Because you were
0: probably discouraged. I mean, that's, uh, that's normally the, the first trigger to people to fall back into old habits is seeing the scale stop moving or then move up.
1: Oh, completely. And I had started to let some things that I knew I shouldn't do get out of control. Um, there's a certain nut butter company. I won't call them out, but they make nut butters that taste better um, than any of the desserts the nut butters are named after. Mm-hmm. And um, I ordered a four pack of a specific one from Amazon because it was on sale. So you got to get it when it's on sale.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I cracked open the first jar on a Friday night. And by Sunday, all four jars were empty. Oh, gosh. And, and I said, okay, well, one, that made for some interesting digestion over the next couple of days. Oh, I'm um,
0: sure.
1: <laughs> putting that many nuts into your body. Your body does not necessarily re- respond great to that. But I also started gaining weight. And I knew that in my head, like, okay, you know what? I know this means that you're going to have to start tracking your food. You're going to have to get, you know, kind of get a little stricter. You're going to have to get things, you know, under some more control in a way that you can see how you're responding to different things and, and do that. And so I started diving into the world of macros calculators and tracking plans and this program and that program and looking into them all. And I got more and more overwhelmed by the moment, like to the point that I was like, I don't think I can do this this way. So what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do? And then I realized that I was already connected with several different people through Instagram that were coaches and were in coaching and I had seen them doing great things with people so I started inquiring with people about like, what does coaching involve? Like, what is, because honestly, having not thought about the process at all, I didn't even know what it would involve. Like, how mm-hmm. does, how does, like, how does working with a coach who doesn't live next door to you work? Like, how does any of that work?
0: Like, how do you so, really stay accountable when you're not even like, you know, near each other? I, exactly. I, totally get, that. I get that question all the time with my coaching.
1: It, it, I'm sure you do because, like, I think that's a, that's one of the first realistic is like, how does this actually help me? Like, is this person actually going to do something that helps me?
2: Mm-hmm. They say
1: they're going to care. Will they really care? What is that like? I also knew that I'm pigheaded and obstinate, and I thought I was uncoachable. Um, I had someone that I was connected with who actually, without knowing that I was investigating coaching, reached out to say, um, "I know you've been." He knew that I had been talking about this idea of coaching. He said, "I know that you're looking into coaching." I'm going to start coaching with a program soon. If it's something you're interested in talking about, let me know, you know, but no pressure. I just enjoy our conversations. Mm -hmm. So I ended up saying, okay, maybe let me reach out to this person. And I kind of actually really liked the idea that I was his first client um, as a keto in a ketogenic nutrition program because it wasn't going to, there wasn't all this baggage on his side. There wasn't baggage on my side. Um, Our first discussion about coaching, I said to him, I don't know if you want me to be your client. Cause I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm coachable I don't know if I'm coachable. I said, I get very defensive very easily. Like if a person says, you know, tell me what you're eating. And I tell them and they say, well, why don't you think about this? I would say, well, why don't you think about that?
0: <laughs> but,
1: you know, like I've got my, I've got my responses ready for people. I was ready to put my walls up and he just said, can you give me a week? Can you just trust? I need you to put a little trust out there, you know, this process is established. Let's, let's just kind of go into this together and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so that was October of of 2018. I was 293 pounds. um, And I started working with him as my coach and um, started to see, like, it was funny also, like we, one of the things, one of our also first discussions, once it was official was like my he wanted to hear what my real goals were and, you know, kind of dive into that And then he wanted to talk about what his goals for me were. And one of his goals for me was, um, I I, want to help you get to a point where you don't see food as entertainment exclusively, that you start to think of food as fuel for your body. Mm -hmm. And I laughed at him. And Mm -hmm. I said, I "I see people saying that all the time. I don't think that's possible. I think you're insane. That's never going to happen. And actually, a couple months ago, I had a, a night where I was having a discussion with someone. And I started to say to them, you need to start to see, you know, see food as fuel and how the oh. different fuel affects your body. And I stopped in the middle of the conversation and I said, I cannot freaking believe this
0: coming full like, circle. And
1: they're like, I'm like, well, and they're like, I need to call my coach as soon as I'm done talking to you and tell him that he was right. Yeah. Um, so I did. Um, but it's, it's, what's happened is like through the, these past couple of months, um, By stepping outside of my comfort zone with how I approach, you know, nutrition and food and getting a little more structured, which is always something I think people try to, you know, see as a taboo, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea of structure, Um, you know, especially, you know, I get people DMing me all the time. You know, everyone tells me I don't ever have to count calories or count anything when I'm on keto and I'm not having I'm not seeing X, Y and Z. What should I do? Like I say well, would it hurt to try to, to track a little bit? Because now I'm in that camp of, I don't think it's for everyone,
2: mm-hmm. but I do
1: think sometimes these are all different tools that we learn about in these journeys. And for me right now, this tool is really helping me fine tune things. And as, as great as my first year and a half keto was, it's these past, you know, seven months, eight months, however long it's been, it might be almost nine months now, um, that I finally think that I found freedom from, the intensity of that food addiction from my food obsession from feeling like food dominates every waking thought in my life. And
2: that's, that's th-
1: awesome. it's, it's, I, I wish, and I, I know as someone who's been there, you know what it feels like,
2: mm-hmm, but
1: I, I, I wish I could give that feeling to someone who's listening, who's in that spot right now, because I know they're thinking what I used to think, which is there's no way you're it's ever going to feel possible. free. It's not yeah. possible. And I don't want to sound boastful or arrogant and say that I don't think that I'm free from my, my addiction and my obsession. I don't think that that is ever possible. I know that voice will always be there. But right now, that voice is so weak and, and holds no power over me. So I can hear it for what it is when it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that it's a trick. I know that it's not true. Whereas before, I just believed it. And And, and and
0: not only that, but you've, you've been through also like your regain, um, you know, mm -hmm. experience. So like when you do have that voice, you know, whenever it may come up and try to trick you again, you have all of this experience behind you and you, you know, better. So it goes back to that saying, I like to use, you know, better and you do better. So you'll choose, I would, I would 100% have faith in you to choose to, you know, not let that happen. I think that, uh, we scare ourselves Mm. sometimes too into really trusting, um, whether or not we're going to have that power, especially when we've slipped, but like your story, everything is so, so, um, just, you've learned so much and you, you're such a testament to so many other people too. So I feel like, um, you believe more in yourself now that, that when that voice does happen or when those feelings do happen, I don't, I don't feel like you'll let that happen.
1: I, I honestly, I think you're right because I, I've had opportunities to quote unquote, cheat and go off the rails.
0: Mm-hmm. Like KetoCon. And,
1: um, <laughs> that, well, oh, KetoCon, the airports. Um,
0: uh-huh. When no one's yeah. watching. No one is
1: watching. Or when you're back, when you're like, let's talk, you know, the temptation at KetoCon is we spend the whole day gathering bags and bags of snacks and treats and samples Mm -hmm. and all of that. And then you get back to your hotel room alone
2: Yeah. and you're, you're alone,
1: you're alone with all that food. And I honestly wasn't tempted to dive into it. Like I, I, and it was weird for me to have that realization. Like, I think you're right. Like I, I think it's the sum total of what I've been through. As out of control as I've been going through the regain experience, which, you know, as intense as that regain was, I have similar experiences elsewhere along my journey where, you know, putting 40 pounds on in a month, like Mm -hmm. it, that was there. And then coming to that realization that I wanted to stay alive. And then literally a few months later, fighting for my life in the hospital. Like I cannot discount the pneumonia's effect. The, The pneumonia had nothing to do with my weight but the effect of that experience on my drive to be healthy and live um, has been incredible. Like it, it it got me into it. You know, I have a regular relationship with a doctor now. I've, I've also seen a cardiologist and a pulmonologist, you know, I've been poked and prodded. I go for blood tests. My doctor loved the first time I met him that when he said, you know, we'll have to schedule an appointment for you when you're, when you're can be fasted for your blood work. I said, well, I'm 22 hours fasted right now. And he's like, and he's like, do you do intermittent fasting? I'm like, I completely do intermittent fasting.
2: Uh-huh. And he's like, oh my
1: oh my God, I love intermittent fasting. I recommend it to all of my patients. And we had a great discussion. Um, we also had, had talked about like, I, I described my diet to him as low carb because I knew saying the K word to some people freaked them out in the hospital when I would, would throw that around. Um, so I, I wouldn't say keto. I said low carb to him. And then at my six month check in, I was a little more confident in my relationship with him and we talked about, you know, my keto diet and my experience and got more into it. And then I ke- just came back recently for my my one year annual with him. And he mm-hmm. looked like a he looked like a kid who came home from school with like an A plus grade and wanted to tell his parents Aww. like he was he was kind of rocking back and forth in his chair. Uh, and he's actually younger than me. So, you know, that experience, it, it kind of made sense. Um, mm-hmm. But he said he said before we start talking about your physical, I have to tell you something. I'm like, OK, he's like, I've been waiting for your appointment. I'm like, OK, um, he says, I'm keto now. And I'm Aww. like, okay. And he's like, I've been doing it for 30 days. I'm down 25 pounds. My energy is incredible. Oh my goodness. I don't know why I didn't start this the day you told me you were doing this a year ago. And, you know, just to kind of see, we ended up having like this 45 minute discussion about, you know, medical issues with keto and what he recommends to patients. And he talked about the other doctor and his practice being a, a huge proponent on actually educating physicians about what cholesterol means and mm-hmm. what it really, what it really means. And he's like, so when we do your cholesterol test, we're going to test particle density and your keto, you've been keto for X, Y, and Z years. So don't worry if your LDL is up a little bit, like he knew everything. He was like immediately like right there. He's like, don't worry if this is that way. And we're going to check this number too. And the funny thing is like, one of the things that also has been a part of my journey is I wanted to have my, you know, six months ago, I had him test my uh, testosterone levels and when we did it that time, he just did the the overall test level. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't into doing a full panel. And now he's like, "Well, yes, we're we're gonna test your testosterone again, but we're gonna have to do a full panel because we need to see what your free testosterone is versus what your full test like." And just seeing his growth is is kind of incredible. Like, and obviously it has really nothing to do with me, but
0: no, no, you it, do not knock that. That I was just about to say. Like, this is all because of the success that he saw through you. Mm-hmm. Like take that in and will like soak that in. Like that is, that is huge that you, your journey influenced a physician to change what he's doing. And now your story with his story combined, he's mm-hmm. going to start recommending it to so many more people.
1: Definitely. And that, and that's really, you know, the hope I, I, I don't say to everyone, who comes to me and says, "How do I do keto? that keto is immediately for them?" right but i th- but I think there's a lot of people that come to me that it could be an incredibly helpful tool because they're dealing with all the issues that I dealt with that it has i I know that I know that keto hasn't quote unquote cured all of the things that I've been quote unquote cured of along this journey. Mm-hmm. But I know that it has been a powerful weapon in that fight, like something that has been able to give me, enough of a physical edge on hunger and all of those issues so that I'm strong enough to fight them myself and get stronger and, and
0: and fighting the food that used to tempt you and having the power over food instead of food, having power over
2: you
1: completely. That's exactly how I describe it. Like I don't, I don't feel like food rules my life anymore. And I, and it did before it really did. And I feel like now, um, I, I, I experience a freedom that makes me worried about what comes next, because obviously we're at a point where I'm starting to head towards the quote unquote end of my weight loss journey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like this quote unquote phase, you know, I keep quote unquote, what does that mean? Um, <laughs> you're <bad>. Because <laughs> our journeys, our journeys never end, you know, yes. yada, 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 you know, bumper stickers, pins, everything great, you know, journeys never end. But my problem has always been when I hit goal corner I I hit my goal. There I go again. Um, I hit my goal weight and I screw up because I don't know where to go to next. And I I so have now
0: really thought. now so, you're a little like what a, what like what am I gonna do? Yeah. Where am I gonna so, go?
1: And that's really one of the bigger reasons that I, I took on a coach to begin with was because I knew I wanted someone in my corner when I got to this point, so that I'm strategizing with someone else and and building what my next goals are and keeping an eye on that because I do think what I've come to realize that as cliche as it is, like life is a journey that doesn't end because you hit a goal. It mm-hmm. just means you you have to redefine what the next goal is and
0: set a new one.
1: Set a new one and, and set a new one that's big enough that it's it takes up that gives you that same level of challenge
2: mm-hmm. that the
1: other goals gave you. And yeah, so that first, if it first
2: doesn't
0: fuel you enough, then it's not a big enough goal. Right. It doesn't scare you a little bit.
1: Because for me, honestly, I don't think if I were to say my goal is to maintain my weight loss, that that's a satisfactory goal to me
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I don't think that I think that's an easy goal for me to slip out of because mm-hmm. maintaining weight loss can then be, well, I'll maintain weight loss within like a five to 10 pound window or t- mm-hmm. a 10 to 20 pound window a 40 to 50 pound window. I, I think instead I need to think about what are the next physical challenges I want to you know, put through, put my body into like, and my mind and my life and,
0: yeah. you know, because you're active in the gym. You, mm-hmm. you're very, um, you're, you do weightlifting and things like that. Right.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And it's something that I haven't, I think really approached with a real weightlifting mentality yet. Like it's been a part of like my weight loss journey. It's just
0: kind of like, Oh, I exercise because this is what I have to do.
1: Right. And I, so what I want to do is You know, work on actual setting, setting real strength goals and starting to strategize how do I reach those goals and like what's realistic for me at my age and like what can I do and, you know, I've got other things, you know, other quote unquote irons in the fire, you know, that are on the other side of this like I I think another big part for me is finding a way to communicate my journey to people and Mm -hmm. and use it to help people and and get focused on using that as the tool that I can put some of that energy into like keeping to keep my learning process going so that I don't ever fall behind because I feel like I've done it Um, Mm -hmm. I want to you know kind of keep up with what's going and what form that takes is, is what I'm figuring out now so I I, I, instead of fearing what comes next now, I think I'm more excited about it. I'm more excited to figure out what happens.
0: I think when uh, when you and I, which for those listening, you and I first met at KetoCon a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and it was a phenomenal experience to actually finally meet you in person. Um, watching your Instagram and and your inspiration and all of that is just it's there's nothing like actually meeting someone that inspires you face to face. So oh,
1: completely, completely um, I appreciate that. Yeah,
0: but like. I think you had mentioned to me um, there for a minute, like you were kind of nervous. And so to hear you like nervous for the fact that you weren't sure where you were going to go since your goal mm-hmm. was so close. So hearing you a couple weeks later saying that you feel a little bit more confident, it's, it's funny how that growth kind of happens. So I can tell you've been doing a little bit of work on yourself, which is awesome. Um, but you know, I think that your story However, you can get it out. It needs to be get. It needs to to be heard. And so um, that's why I'm really, really honored that you came and took the time to share on this podcast. I have a feeling that this is going to touch so many people in so many ways. Um, and I feel like you give so many people of so many different backgrounds hope um, because you know there there's different people in. The space there's there's mm. people like me who I I kind of speak to the moms and the the wives and you know uh, that aspect but like you can you have a special power to speak to people who have diseases that they think are gonna be with them forever or um, people who have been overweight their entire life thinking that mm. they can't change and you are like the perfect example that you are not your um. Your weight gain you are mm-hmm. not you know what you feel like you're stuck at right now
1: oh uh, well one i really i really really appreciate that and i I think you're right like i think i think this it that's one of the things and i you and I started to talk about this at ketocon like i I think there's sometimes in the keto community there's a hesitancy to talk about weight loss, especially to talk about massive weight loss because people are drawn to keto because it's a weight loss, you know, because they want to lose weight. And so then it starts to be seen as just another fad diet instead of being seen as a complete, you know, way of eating and living so that you're seeking health optimization. And so Uh I think some, I think the dialogue at, at Ketocon that I, I mean, I loved being a part of this. Like I really like, I, I, we could probably spend three hours talking about the amazingness that was there. Um, for me, when I was reflecting at the end, I thought, I I feel like there was still a missing element of what should people who are just showing up there with 200 pounds to lose do. Right. Like where, where is there and and you get the stories panel on the, on the last day, which is phenomenal. And everyone who was in that panel did a, a fantastic job. But I think there's a little bit of a disconnect for some people saying, who are looking to try to figure out for themselves, like, because for some of us, weight loss is not just something that's a nice side effect of going keto.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: a, it's a, something we need to do to save our lives. Yeah. When you're when you're four hundred pounds, when you're five hundred pounds, when you're six hundred pounds, and I talk to new people every day who are four, five, six hundred pounds and have never dieted in their lives and they don't know what to do. Um, I I think that there's like you're saying there's a need for people out there to talk about those experiences and to know that there's a way to find what works for you and to make some change happen. And like you're, you, you said so eloquently, like to find freedom because that's the thing I think that people sit with at home and they think they can never change. And I was that person. I thought I was condemned to live that life and I was just going to try to enjoy it the best I could. Like I, I, I've told the story to people before, but I, I, a few years ago, um, so not when I was 500 pounds, but when I was in the high 400s recently, um, 2016 or so, I wrote a letter that I kept by my bedside that was to my family in case I didn't wake up.
2: Oh, and
1: that's... it, basi- mm. it, it and it's basically said, I just want you to know that I was happy. Like it was every one of these arguments that I would convince myself of, Written down so that if I didn't wake up because I thought there was a day coming that I wouldn't wake up, I wanted them to have something from me like that, and I did it. And it was, it was February of 2017 when I was having this whole kind of crisis of I want to live and all of that. That I realized how ridiculous it was of me to do that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a last will and testament. It was a one last excuse. It was one last hurrah of it was, reasons
0: it, it seemed like it was your like deciding factor really mm-hmm. i mean that i'll just go ahead and say no one's ever made me cry on my podcast but you just mm-hmm. did so <laughs> and that's okay like that's oh. that i mean that just speaks volumes to at what point in your journey you were, because there Mm -hmm. was, there was a lot of times when I was in a very dark place that I considered, um, you know, obviously you, for health reasons, you weren't sure if you were going to wake up, but where I was, I considered, you know, harming myself or Mm -hmm. being very, you know, um, because I I was so, so oblivious to like, you know, that I had control that I could change. And so, um, it's hard to explain to people what it is that honestly just wakes you the hell up and Mm. makes you decide to take control. But, um, whatever it is that we both have, um, that allowed us to make that change, I will forever be grateful for it because, um, you know, and I, I believe in a higher power, obviously. So I think that Mm -hmm. has something to do with it, but
2: you know, the,
0: the fact that you, you, you took control. Like you didn't let that letter be the end. Um, Mm -hmm. I I just can't even imagine like how many people are going to hear that and, and change something. If, if people don't change something after hearing that and seeing your story, then, you know, it's that, that I just can't, I don't, I don't know how that can't impact somebody.
1: Well, I, I, I greatly appreciate that. And I burned that letter.
2: Like, literally,
1: literally with fire, I burned that letter. Um, I wanted it gone from this world because it didn't deserve to exist.
2: No, um, and and
1: all. I and you're right. Like, I, I think I think if someone hears me talking about this and it resonates to them and they're not they're not willing to make a change, it's because they're not ready.
2: Right. But
1: don't not make a change because you think you're not ready. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, well, I, I yeah, think just, just like do a, it. Just Mm -hmm. do it. Like, and that's like my big thing. Like I, you know, said in my own, you know, one of the episodes I did of my own show recently, like, how do you approach losing 300 pounds? Pick a path and start on it. Mm -hmm. Just start. The momentum is what you need to get going. All of the other pieces can fall into place. Don't worry if you're like, I, I hear so many people all the time. Is my keto perfect? Is my keto right? Is don't worry about that the first day just worry about getting yourself going, start yep. making changes, you know, because yep. it's so easy to blank and have another month go by and another six it months is. go by and another year. And I just look at even, you know, I, I, I found some pictures this week. I love the archive function on um, Instagram that gives you the memories of a year.
2: Yes. And
1: mm-hmm. because I honestly don't feel as much as I've done over the past year, It's you have those moments where you're like, do I really feel that different than I was a year ago? And I look at the pictures and I'm like, wow, I look very different than I did a year ago. I look very different than I did six months ago. Like I it's it's incredible to think about is to some people, those seem like long amounts of time, but they're not. Mm
2: -hmm. They're blinks,
1: they're blinks of the eye. And like you can make some incredible change in your life, even if you don't like I uh, probably for the first year or so didn't as much as I was losing a massive amount of weight. I didn't see physical changes,
2: right. but
1: I knew that I felt better. I knew that I could sleep again. I knew I can sleep on my back now and be fine. I've been tested for sleep apnea. I had showed slight signs of it um, a, a year ago, and now I'm not showing any signs of it. Like, it's incredible the, the little things that you can change. You know, you don't have to accept... That you're going to be on insulin for the rest of your life. You know, if you're type one diabetic, like I'm, I'm talking about type two diabetes. I'm talking mm-hmm. about things that are driven
2: diet you know, related. I
1: mean, diet related. Like these are a lot of these illnesses are diet related. As much as people are going to hear us say that and not like it.
2: It's mm-hmm. true. You, and you
0: call it, they can call it genetic all they want, but honestly, what has fueled that genetic factor mm-hmm. the last 30 years? The fact that your diet has been absolute crap for the mm-hmm. last, you know, when was sugar put into everything? When were grains put into everything? That's what people want to avoid and be blind to. They want to just blame it on their genetics, but... I mean, how deep do you really need to get to look into how your genetics mm-hmm. were formed, you know?
1: Completely. Completely.
0: So, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. Um, <clears throat> but I honestly feel like I could talk to you for forever. Oh, um, I'm sure. I'm and sure. You, know, you know how these podcasts go. But I would absolutely love to have you back on in the future and discuss even more. Um, but thank you so much so much for not only coming on this podcast and sharing to the audience of mine, but for putting your story out there for the longest time, for always being so positive and uplifting on, on social media um, and just for being you. So it's, it's an honor to know you. Um, and.
1: Well, <sighs> well, thank you. Thank you. I, I really, I really appreciate that. And, and, and the opportunity to come and, and talk to you here. I mean, obviously it, it was phenomenal to meet you. And, you know, I, I met so many people that I, I consider to be heroes in this, this area, this realm at KetoCon. And it was just, you know, great to be able to have some down to earth conversations with you and know that we could continue it here. Um, yeah. I, I think that you're, you're, you yourself are, are a light for people in this space. Um, and I just appreciate the resources that you put into making sure that people know, you know, that there's there's options for them out there and, you know, getting our helping share our stories is, is a way to to just bring the message to more people that change is possible. And like you're you don't have to stay exactly as you are today and be trapped mm-hmm. by what, what you think is a destiny, like define your own destiny, figure out what you want it to be. And, and there's things you can do to, to change that.
0: Absolutely, and and I'm going back to the hero comment. Remember that you are also a hero in this space too. Like you may not view yourself as that mm. because there are times that I feel the same, but like you really are. People look up to you. People are inspired by you, and um, though it's it's good to be humble about the the role that you hold in the community, don't ever... Ever for a second think that it's not impacting at least somebody, you know, daily, hourly, like by the minute. Every time you post a a photo or something, you're influencing people. You're you're impacting people. So don't ever take that, um, you know, for granted. But um, no,
1: you're good. No, I was gonna say I I appreciate that. That was a lesson I learned at KetoCon. You know, mm-hmm. I I. I I went to KetoCon, um, with the, this sense that I was going, I was going to meet the people that were my heroes and the first morning of the actual convention within a half hour of the doors opening, um, I had a woman grab me and say, you have to meet my husband. And she swings me around and drags me down this aisle. And I, I meet this gentleman who looks like he's going to cry. Um, and he just immediately blurts out, um, I found your account six months ago. My wife introduced me to your account six months ago. I've lost a hundred pounds. You are my hero. I have 150 more pounds to lose, but I feel like for the first time in my life that it's possible
0: because of you. Amazing.
1: And I, I, um, it was, it honestly overwhelmed me to the point that I almost lost it right there, but I held it together and we hugged and took pictures and hugged and hugged. And as I'm walking away, the friend I was with said, you're not okay. Are you?
2: Mm -hmm. And I'm like,
1: (laughs) I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just, I don't. And he says, you don't understand the impact that you have on people. And this weekend is going to be about you having to pay attention to that. So just Mm -hmm. please pay attention to that. And he wasn't saying it to, to blow smoke up my butt or anything along those lines, but he just was more like, I don't want you to, because I tend, I have a tendency when people give me a compliment to kind of play it off. Yeah. And he goes I I don't want you to play off this weekend because there's going to be a lot of things said to you that you need to hear.
0: Mm-hmm. And that and, you need to to take with you and remember mm-hmm. anytime that you're struggling because like Completely. it's funny how people think that once you've achieved such goals or such drastic changes that you don't struggle but we mm. do. We still have those things and so having those comments and those people coming up to you and saying all of those things, it really can be things that you bank on when you're feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, not so motivated or worthy or whatever.
1: Completely, completely.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. Um, And I, like I said, I hate to stop, but for those listening, um, where can they find more about you?
1: Sure. Um, well, I, I, I spend most of my time on, on Instagram. Um, I'm Gourmi underscore goes underscore keto on Instagram. I've also recently joined the Twitter sphere and I'm gormy__goes__keto. goes keto, no dashes or underscores or anything there. So gormy__goes__keto underscore goes underscore keto on Instagram, Gormy__goes__keto goes keto on Twitter. And I've just recently launched my own podcast uh, that talks about the stories of big guys. Um, it's called mm-hmm. the Fat Guy Forum. Um, I've had a few people on so far and I've, I've gone deeper into the experiences of my life, um, at living at 540 pounds and losing 300 pounds over 300 pounds twice. Um, and I'm just trying to bring some of the stories out there, you know, get, get guys to start talking about these issues that they tend to avoid like Mm -hmm. body dysmorphia and eating disorders and food issues. And we don't tend to sit around together in a locker room and say, Hey, do you, did you have trouble controlling yourself around that pizza earlier? But I think mm-hmm. it's something more guys struggle with than we're willing to talk about sometimes. So I'm just trying to shine a light onto their stories so people can see they're not alone.
0: Good, good. And don't ever stop because, I mean, you, like I said, you don't realize how many people that you're touching. And uh, and that's what, that's what this world needs. So um, I'll link all of those things out To you in the show notes, and I will speak to you again soon. Thank you for for being on.
1: Thanks so much for having me today, Lauren. It was really great to talk to you.
0: All right. Bye. (laughs)